you would uh, bow with me. Dear God, we come to you now and we just ask that you just uh, speak directly to our hearts, our minds, our souls, and just let us hear the word that has been prepared for us, and then allow us to go out and live it. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Amen. So we've been walking through Galatians, and we're going to finish up chapter 4 today. And uh, this is a this is an interesting set of verses. It's uh, Paul kind of cementing his argument here as um, he's using the Old Testament to uh, prove his argument and to settle his argument for what this church in Galatia was facing at the present time, all right? And so sometimes what we need to, to do is... Um, be able, to, be able to take the Old Testament and the things that are taught in the Old Testament and then apply them to our lives today. And sometimes we, we make too distinct of a, of a gap between the Old Testament and New Testament. And sometimes we actually uh, put on a different personality of God when we read the, new, the, new, the Old Testament compared to the Old, New Testament. I say that right? The Old Testament compared to the New Testament. And sometimes we come away thinking that God has a different, different kind of uh, personality. So um, I'll kind of I'll remind you that this is, a, so this, this is a church that was dealing with some division. And inside this church, the, the division was uh, starting to get pretty deep. And Paul is writing this letter to reaffirm his original teaching. And Paul is making this argument that he is standing on the Bible. Well, the, the, Judaizer, the Judaizers who were inside of this church, who were trying to draw the Gentiles, Christians, and cause them to come in and do the things that, that were required of the Jewish in their tradition to be circumcised and do all that. They were, they were putting pressure on them to do those things and so that they were, for them they could have unity in their church. All right? And Paul's reaffirming that you know, that's, that's a workspace. That's basing things on the past. And with Jesus Christ and his... Uh, sacrifice and his resurrection, you know, he has completed those things. And now we move into the dispensation of grace in the covenant of grace. And it is the fulfillment of the covenant that God made with Abraham all those thousand years ago. All right. And I, I will, I will just mention this to you is that one of the, one of the things and I, and I spent a lot of time on this last week, one of the things that really pop out to you in the arguments, in the divisions, is a cling to culture, all right? And uh, what was happening is it felt like to the Jewish Christians that they were losing their culture. They were losing their identity. And all the things that they had stood on, and all the things that they had um, been taught, and all the traditions and all the rites, they were clinging to those because they had these Gentile Christians that were coming in, and they had not been required to have, they had not been required to have been circumcised and do all those things. So we see kind of a clinging towards uh, the Jewish tradition by the Jewish Christians, all right? And so last week I spent a lot of time, you know, basically the whole sermon, ask, asking ourselves, you know, what, what are we building our lives on? Are we building our lives on biblical standards and biblical teachings? Or are we building our lives on, or is culture, culture is what driving us to form our beliefs? And that's a, that's a monumental question that we have to ask. And it's a monumental, sometimes a monumental mountain and a monumental obstacle that we have to get over. 
okay? Because, um, you know, we're in a divided world, and a lot of us have really cemented some of our beliefs. And for us to, to you know, approach those ideas and to think about changing them, th that takes a large step, and that's a big step, and that's something that some people aren't ready or prepared to do. But the reflection here has to be is what are you basing your beliefs on? And what is driving you? And if we are truly Christians and we say that, you know, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior and I am his disciple and I am following him, then your life, my life, should reflect that we are following the teachings of Jesus Christ. And we have to follow all of them. We don't get to pick and choose. And sometimes, sometimes, um, what's the place where you go and eat like you never have eaten um, the Golden Corral or whatever. Anybody ever eaten at the Golden Corral? <laughs> Yesterday. All right. Good for you, bud. What time I was at the Golden Corral and the kid in front of me did the mashed potatoes and he licked it off. And, and I was really craving mashed potatoes that day. So, <laughs> but anyways. But sometimes what we do is with our beliefs, we go to Golden Corral. Now stick with me here, okay? And we pick and choose what we want off the buffet. And I like this, I like that, I don't like that. And then we smother it with a bunch of just self-justification or salad dressing or whatever, gravy. Yeah, whatever it is, okay? And if you're, honest, if you're honest with yourself, human nature drives us to do that, okay? And it's because of our experiences. It's because of how we were raised. It's because of where we were raised, by whom we were raised, all right? So there's a I understand. There's a lot in there. So that is, you know, that is what is encompassed when Jesus Christ says, you need to pick up your cross and follow me. Because a lot of that stuff is instinctive. A lot of that stuff has been instilled up in us since birth. And sometimes when we're asked to not do it or, you know, to, to overcome those beliefs, that's, that's a huge step, all right? And this is my time when I say you can't do this alone. We do not teach humanism here. We don't preach that here, all right? And humanism is where I give you a motivational speech so that you can walk away here feeling good about yourself and then you can work on being a better dude or lady by the end of the week, you know, so you can come back next week and get a new motivational speech from me. That's not what we do here, okay? We preach the gospel, all right? And if you try to do it on your own, by Tuesday, you're going to hate me because you're going to say that motivational speech wasn't very good. And what we do here is that each and every day we wake up, what do we do? We pray the prayer to empty us of us. Make me an empty vessel. The Holy Spirit's there. Let him fill you. Let him run rampant through you. And then be guided by the Holy Spirit in your directions, in your actions, in your interactions with people. That's the only way that you can do that. And that's the first step in picking up your cross. All right, and your cross is different than my cross. Your ministry, your burdens, the obstacles that you have, the, the afflictions that you have, they're different than mine. And that's what makes my cross different than your cross. I gotta pick up my cross. You gotta pick up your cross, okay? And that is what, and that is what is being said here. And too many times we get divided by culture, too many times we get divided by differences, and it seems like in the, in the most recent future here is that we have started to just dwell on differences, all right? And there's not ever going to be a collection of people that get to a certain number 
that agree 100%. And if you do, they call that an occult, right? So I'm not a cult leader. You're not a cult follower. This isn't a cult. So this is a church. So we're going to have differences here. We're going to have people on this side of the spectrum, that side of the spectrum. The thing that we have to do is learn how to love each other, worship with each other, and serve with each other. Okay? I've got a lot of, I got a lot of failings that you guys have to look over. All right? It's the same thing with each and every person. All right? So that is what is being attacked here at this church is that you have people who were clinging to their culture, and it's because they felt like they were losing their identity. Let me just say this. I get it, okay? I am proud of a lot of things. I'm proud to be born here in America. I'm a proud American, proud of my family, proud of my name, my heritage. I get all that stuff, okay? I understand. But if, my ident- if, if I'm truly a Christian, now this is straight scripture, so you know, don't blame me, okay? But if, my, if I'm truly a Christian, my identity is no longer found in me. Amen? My identity is found in Jesus Christ. Because I died with Christ. And then he brought me and I was risen with Christ into a new creature created for his calling and his ministry. And we have to answer that. And our lives have to reflect that. And I'm preaching to Aaron this morning. You just get to watch, okay? And so here's, here is the question. And this is, a, this is a monumental question. This is a very impactful question. And this is Paul asking the, the Christians in Galatia. And it says, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? And this is just a very simple question. It's a very direct question. And I've told you a couple of times that this this um, letter is kind of written with a little anger in it, all right? And, and it's kind of a red-hot letter. And this is where, um, you know, at the point where he is asking, and I'm going to put it into uh, Carol Phelps' language when he was talking to me as a young man, and he says, do you even know what you're talking about? And that was a loaded question. It was a, because the answer was no, always, all right? So this is what he's asking. Do you even know what you're talking about? Because you're, you're bringing up these arguments and, and you guys are wanting to lead this church. But let me simply ask you this question. Do you truly know what you're talking about? And this is why he's asking this question. Because he's going to break this down and he's going to put it into, into real terms here. All right? And this is what we have to come away knowing. All right? Is that... We are different. Christians are different. And the reason we're different is that we're born again to be different. Okay? So the idea, the biblical theology, is that we have been born again, and then we have been separated from the world because we are different. We are the sanctified, the justified, all right? And then that doesn't mean that we don't live with the world, but that we are not identified by the world. We don't identify with the world, but we are there to serve with them. Does that make sense? Okay. So we have been set aside by God because we're different. We're under a promise. We're under a covenant. But at the same time, that doesn't mean we build up walls and we go live, you know, by ourselves and in hiding. 
but we have to be set aside, but yet serve in the world and live in the world. And that's a part of picking up that cross, all right? So this is what he's asking. He's asking, do you even know what you're talking about? Do you understand what you're teaching here? And this is where it's leading me, is that we are born again, and we are born with a promise. Now, that's a big deal, okay? That is a big deal, because natural man is born under a curse, correct? We're born under the curse of, of sin. In fact, the Bible goes into very explicit language to detail that Jesus Christ died on the cross, and he that died on a tree is what? Cursed. Now, what's that language mean? It means that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died cursed. That meant he took my curse, your curse, every curse, and put it on himself and put it to death at Calvary. And then when he resurrects, we are born again when we are, when we accept him as our Savior. And it says we die with him. And if we die with him, he will resurrect us with him into a new life. And then we are no longer born under a curse. We're no longer born under death. Because why? We have eternal life. And we are born with a promise. And that's what this is. For it is written that Abraham had two sons. Okay? And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the two sons. All right? So Isaac and Ishmael, right? You know, you know the story. So um, we have two sons and... We got a 90-year-old dude and a, about an 82-year-old woman who have never been able to have a kid. They adopted their nephew, and that was their family. And then at 90, 90-ish, they get the, the call from God, you're going to have a son. All right? And um, so there it is. It doesn't happen for a while. Sarah goes around, tries to do an end around, and, uh, or the reverse, or, or you know whatever, and have a child to... Her handmaiden, that's Hagar, okay, they give birth to Ishmael, and then she ends up getting pregnant, and they have their son, Isaac, two sons. So we have a father who has been promised to be the, the lineage of Jesus Christ, the chosen people that, they, that God chose to bring Jesus Christ to the earth through, okay, in that he is, his family will be protected by God. His lineage will be protected by God. Anybody goes against him, you know, he'll be, they will go after, God will go after them. And so then we have this promise of the Abrahamic promise. And just remember, for cultural reasons at this modern day, what was the sign that you were under the promise of Abraham, the lineage of Abraham? You were circumcised if you were a male, all right? So now you're starting to pick up on some of this stuff. You're reminded of it, all right? So we got two sons. And what, Abraham, or what Paul is talking about is you guys say that you're the one staying on the Bible and saying that I've had my time, I don't really stand on the Bible. But let's go back to the Scripture and let's look at the Scripture. And we have two sons. And it says the one was born by a bondwoman. That's Hagar and that's Ishmael. The other was born by a free woman. Okay? So we have two women in two different states in two different places and culture. We have a woman who is married to the head, the patriarch, okay? So she's the, does that make her the matriarch? Is that the word, matriarch? So she's the matriarch, and then we have her handmaiden, who's technically a slave, and, you know, has to do what she tells her to do and live, you know, everything. So we have these two women, and they both give birth from the patriarch, 
So it says there that you know, one was a free woman, one was under bondage. And it says, but he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. And what does that mean? That means that he was born under a woman who was in bondage. So he was born of bondage. And it says there that he who was born of the free woman was born of the promise. And that is the promise, the covenant that is made between God and Abraham. And he says, you shall have a son. You shall be the father of many nations. This is the son. This is the son born under freedom. And then he goes on and it says, which things are symbolic, okay? So he's going to bring these two things and he's going to make a symbolic argument here. And it says, for these are two covenants. There's one from Mount Sinai. What happened at Mount Sinai? It's the Ten Commandments. And it says that this gives birth to bondage. So we know and we've studied that, that the law was a form of bondage, okay? You had to do so many things, so many requirements of you. This, it was a day-to-day -day thing and never get out from underneath it. And no matter how hard you tried, you could not inherit eternal life. And then you had to constantly be uh, forgiven for your sins. And you had to go together as a nation and be forgiven for your sins. So this was life under the law. And this was a form of bondage. And it was all tied together because we were, the people then, were born under the curse of sin. Okay? And so this is the imagery that he was applying to Hagar and Ishmael. That this is a life of bondage. Okay? So hang with me because we're going to start making application here, all right? Because um, a lot of us need to decide which, which covenant are we going to be in. Are we going to be in a covenant of bondage or a covenant of freedom? Because this is the choice, this is the choice that he is exposing here. Because there were people that were deliberately trying to stay and bring people back in under the law. They were deliberately doing that. Now, why they were doing that was a plethora of reasons. A lot of it was tradition. A lot of it was belief. A lot of it was culture. They were losing their identity, okay? And, those, and at the end of the day, those things meant more to them than living a life of grace and a life free and a life under the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And it says that this is Hagar and for this, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. All right, so he assigns that. He assigns that son, that mother, to the covenant of bondage. And it corresponds to Jerusalem, which is now. And he's talking about Jerusalem now. And at this point in time, Jerusalem is an occupied state. There is no freedom there. And the Jewish people had no freedom. The Christians had no freedom. And they were occupied, and they were ruled and they had been conquered, all right? And now we get this imagery, not only of people born into bondage, under a mother of bondage, but now they're living in a city of bondage. So we see this imagery of complete bondage. And I think that sometimes we, uh, we kind of downgrade sin, especially some of the smaller sins, the sins that nobody else sees. Okay, so get ready. I'm a, we're going to start doing some body shots here, some body punches, all right? So when we, do, when we do some of these sins that nobody sees and we get away with and between just us and us, all right, we don't really apply much concern or much condemnation to that. We don't 
we turn a blind eye to it sometimes, all right? The little, I call them the little white sins. Okay, these are the ones that don't really matter, and nah, you know, he, whatever, all right? And so sometimes when we do this, and this escalates, and this bleeds into other things, and then we start to apply that to other sins and other things that we have going into our lives, all right? That's called justification. Takes us back to Golden Corral, all right? what we smother it in. And so a lot of times what we do is that we, we put ourselves in bondage and we do it because we downgrade the impact of sin in our lives. And we do it because some of the sins in our lives don't really matter, they don't amount to stuff. But if we talk about sin, sin is bondage and sin is what keeps us in bondage. Sin is what puts us in our own shackles. And sometimes when you feel trapped and when you feel like you're in bondage and you feel like you're, the world is consuming you and everything's falling apart, most times, if not every time, if you want to know who the culprit is, just go to the bathroom and look in the mirror because I am my own worst enemy. You know, I am the one who drags myself back into the things that Jesus Christ released me from. And the lifestyle that I had before, sometimes I bleed back into that. And then I have this opportunity to go live in freedom. But I'm my own worst enemy, and I keep pulling myself back into bondage. All right? So there's two covenants here. Okay? We have the covenant of Mount Sinai. And then he talks about Jerusalem, which is an occupied city. So we just have all this bondage. And then it goes on, but the Jerusalem above is free which is the mother of us all. So what's going on here? What's being said here? Two Jerusalems? The answer to that is yes. And the second Jerusalem he's talking about is the new Jerusalem. So the Bible tells us that in the end days, heaven and earth will burn up and there will be a new Jerusalem. And I need you to, and I need you to come away with this understanding. All right? Because we're talking about division. We're talking about being separated by um, things in our lives that we don't agree with, with other people. You know, condemnation, we condemn other people. We're condemned by other. Yeah, anybody ever know that they're being condemned by somebody? Anybody ever know they're being looked down by somebody? Yeah, how do you respond to that? Not too well? Huh? Absolutely not, right? Okay, so here we have New Jerusalem. So old earth, old heaven burn up. We have New Jerusalem. And the idea is that it's the coming together of the new earth, the new heaven, and we have what's referred to as New Jerusalem, where we will spend eternal life. And the thing to understand here is that everything that Jesus does is about uniting. He is a uniter. His number one cause that he came to earth was to die for sinners. And the reason why he came to die for sinners is so that we are no longer separated by God because of sin. And we no longer have to go through somebody to pray to God. We no longer have to go through somebody to ask for forgiveness because we have one mediator, and that mediator is the man, Christ Jesus. And that's who we pray for, or pray through. We pray through Jesus Christ, all right? Nothing, you can't pray through anybody else. Pray through Jesus Christ. In fact, intercessory prayer is me praying for you 
through Jesus Christ to God. Amen? Okay, so when we talk about his unity, we talk about how he brings everything together. And he does it in a healing and in a harmonious way. And so when we accept Jesus Christ and we get into the covenant, then it's about uniting us back to God and putting us back into our state. And that happens because of Jesus Christ. And the thing that we really need to understand is that our salvation is, listen, our salvation is Jesus Christ. I said that very deliberately, all right? Our salvation is Jesus Christ. Okay? Is it through Jesus Christ? Yeah. But at the end of the day, our salvation is Jesus Christ. There's no other name ever given unto man that which can find forgiveness and eternal life. It is only Jesus Christ. We pray through Jesus Christ. There's no other way to get to the Father except through Jesus Christ. The way that God demonstrated his love to us, how was it? He picked Jesus Christ to come and die for us. You're starting to get a theme here. Everything that is healthy, everything about salvation, everything about forgiveness, everything, what's it about? Jesus Christ. And it's time that we concentrate and we celebrate and that we worship, we truly worship Jesus Christ. And what is happening is we get into a selfish frame of view, a selfish perspective, and then the world becomes about us. I taught Sunday school this morning. We talked about the rich young ruler. And he, he asked, how can I inherit eternal life? Everything was about him. I kept the law. I am good. Everything was about him. And when we read that, we think, man, what an idiot. But then sometimes if we, as we're saying that, we're living exactly like the rich young ruler. And we have a selfish perspective. And we too many times remove Jesus Christ out of the equation and we put it onto us. And we say, what do I need to do today? What, how, how can I make myself better? And, and what do I need to do to, to make myself a better person? Those are good things to talk about. But unless it's being driven by the Holy Spirit and you're doing it for the glory of Jesus Christ, your motives are wrong. And your outcome will be different. And so my suggestion to you is that there are two covenants here. There's one of bondage and there's one of freedom. And I'm not talking about a law that makes you do a bunch of stuff is the bondage. And then the free one is where you can go out and say, I'm a Christian. Now I'm, I'm free and do whatever I want. That's not the argument that's being said here today. The application and the argument that is being said here today is that because of our selfish perspective, because of who we are, and because of the things that we think are important to our lives, the thing that we put weight and value on, we put ourselves into the covenant of Sinai, which he calls here. Whereas if we could just rely on Jesus Christ and worship Jesus Christ and let all things in our lives reflect back to Jesus Christ, then we could truly experience freedom and grace. And then that opens up our eyes and our abilities to become stewards. So now our possessions aren't ours, they're God's, even our kids, even our grandkids. Now I get some emails on that one, all right? But everything belongs to Jesus Christ. Everything is provided by Jesus Christ. 
The only way to get anything good in this life is through Jesus Christ. All right? That's a different type of living. That's a different type of serving. And then we become servants because everything that we do is to reflect back to Jesus Christ. Not about me, not glory to me, but glory to Jesus Christ. And I know sometimes when you guys say thanks, as a, that was a good message today. I know you, it gets on your nerves. But I always say, and I try to always say, if it was anything good in it, it was not me. All right? And that was the deal I struck when I accepted this. We can't have ego. And I have a, I have a for those of you who know, I have an ego. I've got a big ego probably sometimes. And we can't let that, we can't let that affect us. Can't let that be what we center on. And it's about, it's about Jesus Christ. And when we talk about two different covenants here, sometimes when we end up in the covenant of bondage, it's because we have pulled ourselves back into it. All right? And it goes on and says, It is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor, for the, del- for the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband, all right? So this is, uh, now he's reverting back to the prophets and he's making his point here, okay? So true life, true birth comes through Jesus Christ, all right? We had one woman who physically could give birth and we had one woman who physically could not give birth. And listen to me, the only way one woman gave birth was because, was because of the promise and of the miracle of God. And one child was born naturally, one child was born of a miracle, of a promise. And it says that now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of a promise. I want you to let that soak in, okay? I want that to just soak in on for you a second, all right? You are children of a promise. And you know what that promise is? You get eternal life. You're forgiven of your sins. You've been placed back into your original state. You have been justified. All right? You are protected. You cannot be separated from the love of God. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You are children of a promise. And when you close your eyes in death in this life, the next microsecond or whatever it is, you will open your eyes to eternal life with him in heaven. You're born of a promise. You are children of a promise. And it's all made possible by Jesus Christ. But he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. And it's even so now. Okay? That's a whole other sermon right there. But we will be persecuted. We will feel persecution. That's natural. He's telling you that right here. Okay? Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast, cast that should say, cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then we are not children of the bondwoman, but children of the free. So here's the application of this. In this day and age, it's reflective of what they were living in. Too many times we cling to our traditions. Too many times we cling to our own personal beliefs. 
And some of those beliefs are set in, they're set in concrete, and, and they're set in a lot of concrete, all right? And too many times we are affected by culture, we are affected by peer pressure. Now we got this whole social media thing going on, and it's terrible, right? All right? And there's just so many influences. We center on our divisions, we center on the negative, we center on the horrible, and then you ever, you ever, and just ask yourself, you see a story about something good, and then you see a story about somebody messed up and it's really bad, oh, I gotta read that one, right? That's what we do, all right? That's human nature. But here's what, here is the point here, is that we are, as Christians, born of a promise. And it's, a, and it's an amazing promise. We have been ushered in to the original covenant between God and Abraham. We are children of promise. God loves us. God is going to protect us. Even when it feels like he's not there, even when it feels like that he has left us, remember the promise. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He will always be there. We can never be separated from his love. And here is, here is the other point. We need to quit dragging ourselves back into bondage. Live a life of freedom. Choose freedom. Pick up your cross. Is it heavy? Of course it is. It's a cross. But he will be there with you. He will help carry it. His burden is light. His yoke is easy, right? Pick freedom. Choose Jesus Christ. Live a life dedicated and centered on Jesus Christ, not on yourself. Thank you for tuning in to Star Church's sermon. We truly hope that the sermon edified you today and brought you closer to the Lord. For more information about Star Church, visit our website at stargbchurch.com. Once again, that's stargbchurch.com. If you would like to visit our church, our address is 4925 State Road 142, Eldorado, Illinois 62930. We now pray that God will bless you as you enter the mission field and bring his word to the world. And as always, we will see you next time here at Star Church. Thank you.